0: left right hey, guys, for watching i appreciate you tuning in i would really appreciate if you like and subscribe to this podcast and if you have a heart share it with some friends today we're going to be talking about broker fees because that seems to be a pretty hot topic and uh saw a meme earlier um i'm going to share that one with you too because it really got my head thinking quite a bit All right. this is sip talk grab a drink and enjoy Cheers. Cheers.
1: Cheers. All right,
0: so we are live. This is Sip Talk, episode twenty-two. Which is pretty cool, second one this week, we're really picking up the, the pace here, I like that.
2: One of the topics?
0: Yeah. When you're ready.
2: Oh, you are drinking Stella? Cheers. Oh, yeah.
0: Cheers guys.
2: It could be this or White Claw, one of those.
0: Ah, these are a little warm. Uh, what do you got over there?
1: No, I finally got you on board on the warm beer
0: trade. Well, that was our only option. This is coming down because I can't I can't I can focus. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Alright. That's that. Alright, James, sorry, but we're exposing you to coronavirus through the internet here. You I guess you couldn't see that, but we we had this big plastic oh, barrier is it, up. Is
1: it broadcasting
0: on five gi I I don't know what's going on with the bandwidth today, but it is not it is not looking good
1: if it's not broadcasting on 5G, then I think everyone's safe. It's only 5G that spreads coronavirus. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, there you go. Because that's definitely a real, a real problem for people that believe in most conspiracy conspiracy theories.
1: Yeah, but given, given that your side of the screen is a slideshow right now, I, the uh, the adoring public is safe. Yeah, the public's not in safe.
0: Yeah, so, so this is machete I got in the mail. And uh, it's really. You got it on
2: the mail? Yeah, yeah, it came in the mail. I thought that you couldn't send those things.
0: I don't know, but it's sharp as shit.
2: No, you can't take them
1: on airplanes.
0: Uh, I guess yeah. I won't be able to bring it to the Amazon with me while I bushwhacked <laughs> my way to the hotel. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I think w- that's
1: going to be a pretty good thing for the incoming zombie apocalypse.
0: Well, I hear that you know with the five G and whatever's coming after that, it's probably probably going to happen. So I want to talk today—the
1: really natural next step.
0: When you're whenever you're ready, I want to talk today about day drinking. And Well, it's six, it's six thirty.
2: Is that the top? We're gonna t- we're we're just gonna do a, a day drinking. Let's just let's just call it classy and just call it brunch.
0: So I've been day drinking back since I could drink, really, and probably before that. I've never really looked at alcohol as as a, a bad thing. When I when I lived in South Carolina and I worked at at Enterprise, which is a mm-hmm. place where you drive cars for a living, I would I would bike I'd bike home and have a beer with lunch. I loved those days because I I lived so close. I lived six minutes away. I could come home for lunch make lunch and go back to work. But I had a beer with lunch. I didn't have two or three or five or pounds of vodka, but I'd have a beer and go back to work.
2: And that's one of the beauties of this country. For example, in New York, uh, you can drink at any time. You can drink at 10 o'clock, well, it's brunch. You can drink at 3 o'clock. Well, there's a match, there's a game on TV, so you will always have uh, the best combination possible, which is a beer and wings, beer and wings, beer and... Burgers.
0: Grab, grab your phone, though. Pull, pull up the, the post
2: that I sent you. This is... Oh, fuck. I feel so offended because of this post. <laughs> Hold on. This is the post. Give me one second. This is the post that you just sent me. It was like...
0: And so I sent, I sent him a post, but it made me think, and that's what made me think of this today. It says, what's considered trashy if you're poor, but classy if you're rich? Now I've probably been on both sides of this equation. But there's somebody commented, day drinking, speaking two languages, hard drugs, <laughs> and tax avoidance. <laughs> Are you catching that on your end of the internet, James?
1: I'm getting like, like every other word from you. Your connection's really bad.
0: Ah, oh,
2: Are all. you uploading something?
0: No, I canceled <laughs> the uploads. Let me, let me close out the rest of my, my Chrome. Oh. Uh, we'll drop out a, a little WhatsApp.
2: So we have this group chat uh, Him, Adam and I Where we normally send each other memes You know, whatever And he sent that He sent that to me None of them speak the language More than, you know, English Spanish whenever they're drunk But that's just like not fluent at all I'm the one that speaks English and Spanish Fluent in both languages Uh, I'm the one that, you know They drinks on a daily basis I'm the one that just beep that on whatever thing, uh, hard drugs, and let's just not get the IRS involved into this. <laughs>
0: um,
2: so like, uh, I feel offended. I feel attacked. I feel personally attacked. But then again, as I said before, here in the states, it's pretty common to drink in the morning, drink in the afternoon, and have a glass of wine at night because well, you're having a night out and you want to either. Pair your steak with a red wine, pair your fish with a white wine, uh, and it's totally normal. In my country, it's totally the opposite. Uh, If they see you drinking at, I don't know, 2 o'clock.
0: Hold on, pause for a minute, Doug, because we're running into some real real issues with with the audio here. Um, It says, Internet connection is unstable. Uh, James is saying you can barely hear me we can do a voiceover with this. Uh... James, you, you want me to do uh, audio through the phone?
1: What?
0: You want to do audio through the phone? I'll call you on the phone.
1: I, I don't care either way. Um, All
0: right, here we go. Hack, hacking the system. What's your phone number? Uh, uh, like t- send me your phone number in the in the group chat. I think that's it.
2: Something oh, else. There, there there's alright. So now hold on. Alright, let me take my headphones. Oh yeah, that is a, a
0: long delay. I right, guess tell me if you can get the audio from over here. James, you really gotta shout into your phone so you can be heard on live. Um Raj, thank you. I know we're good on Facebook for the sound, but we're in the middle of a zoom meeting as well because Well, we're we're crossing state lines here. Can you I'm hold that microphone next to your next to your mouth while you're speaking? Like why? That's on you, James. James, we're just waiting for you to talk. Oh, you hung up.
1: Hey, you hear me? Yeah, now we hear you fine. Um, I just had to, I pressed the wrong button on my Bluetooth headphones because I want to have my hands free and I don't want to have to be holding the cell phone to my head the entire time that I'm on the uh,
0: stream. Can you guys hear this? Ask if, if these guys can hear it over there. Because last time we had some sound issues, and then when we uploaded we had sound issues as well. So it was it was a clusterfuck anyway way you look at it when it came to sound. But this Zoom stuff is new, and uh, we're going over the Internet connection, and I don't think there's many people left in the office at 7 o'clock, but...
2: Adam just got here from preview. Do you want me to keep the webcam on?
0: Yeah. It, 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 I, you know, I feel like we're almost in the same room. Can you ask these guys how the sound quality is from where they are and make sure they can hear this guy? That's
2: told
0: um, a, James yeah. speaks two languages. He's got that going for him. What
2: do you got? Besides English? Uh, Spanish. It's rusty now, but, you know, he gave out a month in Spain
1: and I
2: need that <laughs> fluent. What? <laughs> Ah. Mm.
0: since <laughs> then how's the sound quality yeah, how's the sound quality yeah. Um, but yeah I think uh, I think hard drugs definitely either a very poor person's thing or a very affluent person's thing <laughs> no comment from him I don't know
1: middle class people seem to
0: like them too well the middle class is sliding
2: I mean, have you As seen the you the, the, the rate of, of you doing hard drugs? You're not going to be in class for too long. <laughs> yeah, I exactly. mean, there's a there's a bigger rate of people doing hard alcohol and I don't know where did they get the drugs, but they're actually doing like hard drugs in this pandemic, like in this quarantine. There is a cells, there's a huge spike on alcohol uh, sales. There's a huge spike on import of drugs. You know, and, well,
0: people have all this extra time, and know? people got to face the the real hard facts of what life is like. Yeah. You know? um, you know, which which I think the thing is, you know, when life is bad, you're probably day drinking and doing hard drugs,
1: Just
0: and obviously avoiding and taxes it. Uh, because it costs money. But then when you're when you're upper class, you're doing hard drugs because they're given to you for free, and you're day drinking because you may not have to have a nine to five job, and, and you're, you're
1: avoiding taxes because you can pay people to. Like me to do them for
0: you, <laughs> but uh, but I mean you know that's that's effectively I think uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. But my point is I don't I, I don't depending on what you're doing, I don't have an issue with the day drinking. If we have an agent that goes out and has a beer or, or two with a client or for for lunch, I think I think we lost a live. I think we lost one of the lives. Why don't you turn the volume down? Now? So um you I mean,
2: that's it. that's the beauty of the service industry. This the job that we're doing right now is a service industry. You just go meet people and try to be a s you know, be a do the extra mile for that person. You don't wanna be the kind of person that is selling them something. No, you want to be a connection, you want to be a friend, you want to be someone that they can rely on. So what do you do is once you Moving itself or finding an apartment is very stressful it 's not easy it 's not something that you can you know just leave it to someone and let them do whatever and you don 't have to worry any about it and that 's our job. We should be able to just take their stress off their shoulders and just you know that's what the reason why they're paying us for it and once we we go out we meet we see different apartments we're like, okay, which one is the one that you actually like, which one is the one that you actually feel like you can see yourself living for like I don't know, the rest of the time that you want to spend in this city. Uh, and if they go like, I like this apartment, then you go like, perfect, let me just send an application for that. And they just go out for a drink after that. They just go out, get some drinks, let's just, you know, just take our minds off of this.
0: But I, th- I think in the when it comes to business meetings and, and things like that, it's often done over a drink. No, I mean, I'm very cautious and I tell agents and i said it a lot in the beginning when we kept a decanter in the conference room which we we tried to keep full but it didn't it didn't last that you your clients can't drink before before I signing mean, a contract yeah. because you know having a drink to say yeah we're done is cool but having a drink and somebody saying well i drank too much you know i'm, I'm going to use that as an excuse um, you know i don't want that's never happened to us but i don't want to be put um. in that position I can tell you that that's not an excuse for signing a contract. If they're to challenge it in court and say
1: that said that they had a drink beforehand, but um, well, ages. They would lose in court uh, every time. time. But, don't but you don't court. want to have to go to court in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Days. Exactly. So just
0: preventative measures. Uh, yeah, that's
2: why you. Once the signature is in, once the whole process is done, then you should go. Like, yeah, let just go have a. Let's just go have a drink because the more. Connections you get with that person, the more people that there will be like. Listen. I had like a super, and I had a client uh, a week ago that they were like, you make our process as easy as possible. We didn't do anything, which is when check places, we told you the place that we want. That place didn't work out, but you literally told us that there was another place better than the one that we just found.
0: But, par- but part was, of this yeah. business is being likable yeah, and being trustable, which I think is a lot easier if you're genuinely likable and trustable, which I am, and trustworthy. But, um, you know, grabbing a drink with somebody after, you know, after a contract is signed or saying, hey, you know, once we get everything complete, let's grab a drink, is is a really good incentive. Um, and it's a stressful thing. We do a lot of people that come to us who are super, yeah. super stressed. So being able to grab a drink afterwards is a nice, you know, I have people that come in from out of town, they're like, all I want to do is just grab a glass of wine. And I'm like, fine. You know, once we finish this, it's on me. Yeah. And we order, you know, you, uh, I don't know if you have in South Carolina, the mini bar app? Do you have that as a thing where you can you can order what you want on the app and it gets delivered to you? I
1: have no idea. You don't. You don't. My like stance on apps in general.
0: Well, yeah, I know that. I know that. Um, yeah, but but either way, it's. Not, I mean, we have a liquor store that's two blocks away. We can call the liquor store and they bring it over in a half hour. So.
1: Yeah, well, New York also has all sorts of apps for those kind of deliveries and stuff, but Charleston just is not big enough of a market to support anything like that.
0: Even the downtown area? I don't know. I I only go downtown when I'm getting paid to. Oh, wow.
1: Which is practically every day of the week,
0: but I wouldn't be
1: going there if I wasn't getting paid.
0: So the other thing I want to talk about is broker fees, how they work, what they are, when to expect them, which is traditionally.
2: Them as well
0: tr- traditionally I have worked in a market where it's a an owner's market, basically meaning that there's a huge amount of demand when it comes from renters. And the renters in New York City traditionally pay the broker's fee. In any other market you have a higher vacancy rate and the renters can have their choice of apartments and the real estate agents that show show those apartments. Are paid by the owner. Just like in a sales market, if you're selling your home, I'm representing the home and someone comes to me for the listing, you're paying me. If they come to the listing with their broker, you're paying me and my is splitting that with their broker. But it's paid by the seller and in other markets for rentals, broker fees are paid by the owner. In New York City, there's a lot of owners that may own 500 or 1,000 or 10,000 units and their office is in Great Neck on Long Island. They don't have an office in the city. And they have what are called open listings. Mm-hmm. So they email the greater brokerage community, so they may send an email blast out daily or weekly or twice a week with their vacancy list. And traditionally, it's you know two to four to eight apartments. Now we're seeing 10 pages of, of listings with so very high vacancy rates. Um, and but because they have such few vacancies, they're not paying the brokers the brokers go out and they photograph the apartments they advertise the apartments which cost money and then they field phone calls emails and text messages and they show the property they deal with a lot of underqualified people or underprepared people and then we have to negotiate a broker's fee with those incoming renters we submit their application if it's approved they pay our broker's fee when they sign the lease. That's traditionally how it works. James, you're familiar more or less with that business model?
1: Yeah, it doesn't really exist in Charleston though. In Charleston, most of the apartments are either going to be with a real estate company or like an apartment complex that's <coughs> going to have property managers on site and we'll see that, that, that you deal with directly. So I, I, I guess that the the broker's fees or whatever are just kind of looked into the rent where I'm
0: basically paying the salary for the property managers. So we, yeah, we have an invisible charge. It's an invisible charge. We have the same thing here. We have, so a lot of luxury high rise buildings, what they'll do is they'll put an on-site management office, which handles management, it handles leasing and it handles showing. So if you go to the doorman in the building, you say, Hey, what do you have available? And they say, go to the, go to the fourth floor, go to apartment four S and knock on the door and they'll t- give you a tour and you go to Apartment 4S they have you fill out a form and just like when we went to Plantation Oaks or Plantation Gardens or Plantation Stables or any of the plantation type apartment complexes um, which at I, those I, I think it's a funny thing it's just all these plantation uh, old plantations were turned into apartment complexes
1: well and I just think that there's some odd marketing there because like now I've had some conversations with people from the south that don't seem to think that plant- plantation has a negative connotation, but us coming from the north, it definitely does. Yeah. And all I can think is, like, what do you feel like? How does it feel like as a black person to go and apply to live at a plantation <laughs> or whatever? Like, what's the marketing skin there? Like, <laughs> not, not only are the rates great, but you can work where you live. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, but they're they're, right. they're trying to. They're, I actually heard recently that they're trying to get away from. They they may d- delete the the term plantation from a lot of these establishments. Same must come. But 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 it, you cotton know, it, Hawks. cotton
2: apartments, condos, cotton, cotton. Yeah, what cotton apartments? No, there, there, there's a place called Cotton Apartments. I'm real estate right. <laughs> you know?
0: e- either way it's it's it for a long time people have not paid much attention to it because it was the south but now you, we have a lot of things that just make you I mean we we looked at it a, a funny way like you have all these people that want to live in a plantation there's one thing about being the plantation owner but when you just live in a plantation you're not the owner of the plantation you know typically there's work involved I feel like I don't
2: know I think it was just yeah, it's a pretty top-heavy arrangement.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, before before I dig dig any deeper, um, but yeah, either way, we moved into an apartment. We didn't we we didn't have much of a process to go to. We showed up. We said we want to see apartments. They gave us a quick tour. Not even the exact unit that we would. They gave us a, a tour of a model, and then they said the apartment you will move into will look just like this. It'll be located over there near the pond, some Spanish moss, and some willow trees. You know. No, they didn't even
1: tell us where the apartment they were going to move into was. They said it's
0: going to be somewhere on this complex. Well, exactly, and uh, and then I think they did a credit check, and we were twenty two at the time, 23, 22? twenty two, two, and uh, yeah, and that was it. But it was very, you know, we didn't have to have tax returns and pay stubs and employment letters, social security card, bank statements. We filled out an application. They ran our credit, and they said yeah. you're approved.
1: Oh, that's is the one that you think? to verify income, because um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure the... that as we we're 22, uh, I, I know that my mom co-signed yeah. on, the, on the first lease that we had. The first Actually, lease, your had mom? We enough income that we didn't have to have that done anymore, but for the first one, they, they did verify income.
0: Yeah, but uh, it, a lot of people aren't prepared for that when they move to New York City. But what I'm saying about broker fees is the model is reversed here. When you have on-site management, their incomes are usually compensated by the landlord, and it's built into the rent. Now, in New York City, we also have a thing that's called, so typically, the renter pays the broker fee. Just like in a suburban market, a lot of brokers will ask for 5 or 6% on a sales transaction, which legally, it's fully negotiable. In Manhattan, brokers will ask anywhere from 12 to 15 or even up to 18%. And I have seen higher on a, uh, apartments that are very, very low in rent. For example, we had one today that was rent-regulated. It was under $1,100 for a two-bedroom apartment. Now, that's, I mean, that's not... That's not
1: what I'm paying at Charleston.
0: But, but it's barely even a Charleston thing. And this, you know, this is in New York City. So that's an apartment where you could justify a heavier broker fee because it's such a good deal. Like, that's a once-in-a-lifetime apartment. Those people should stay there for the next... 15 or 20 years if they, if they can afford to, and obviously if they're happy with it. But instead of someone coming to us and paying 12% or 15%, we also have times where the landlords pay the broker fee. And typically, when a landlord is paying the broker fee, it's justified in how much the landlord is earning per month in rent. So the apartments where the landlord pays pay the broker fee are typically higher priced than a comparable apartment with a broker fee. So I may have a $2,700 two-bedroom. That's not a real price. I may have a $3,200 two-bedroom in Hell's Kitchen, and it's a really good deal. It's got two separate queen-size bedrooms and a living room, probably for that price range, not very well updated, not a gut renovation, but a decent amount of space on a third, fourth, or fifth-floor walk-up. But because it's a good deal around that 3000 mark, the landlord is not going to pay me as a broker because there's high demand for a $3, $3,000, $3,200 two-bedroom. In
1: hell's kitchen.
0: Now, a $3,600 two-bedroom in a comparable building, the owner may be willing to pay the broker and thus the apartment will become no fee for a renter. So the renter saves this upfront cost of 12%, 15 16 18% um, and a lot of people think 15% is a standard fee but it's illegal to use the term standard fee and we're always negotiable, which is why on a $1,100 apartment, we might ask for an 18% fee because you never, someone's willing to pay 18% because at $1,100, that's a couple hundred bucks more.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, um, But if you move into an apartment where the owner pays the broker, typically your monthly rental amounts are higher. So you have to do the math and figure out if it's better, to pay a higher rate monthly or to pay more upfront.
2: That's why it's a lot smarter to know what's the difference between net rent and gross rent. Because there was a chick that came here and was like, my net effective, it's, what was it, thirty two, thirty four, hundred? And we're like, yeah, you, that's your net effective, but you know that your net effective is not what you're gonna pay. You're gonna pay more. And well, so, if like, we
0: if we show her uh, something at thirty four hundred, say she said net thirty four, yeah. we show her something at thirty four and then need to charge a broker's fee, yeah. then her net obviously she's gonna end up paying over yeah. end up paying over thirty four. Now if we show her no fee apartments at the thirty four mark, then she's probably not gonna get as nice of an apartment as she okay. would a, with a fee apartment. But that's why the nice thing that you know most of the guys that are here have been trained to do is sit down with that person go over the options and i always when i go out with a client i like to start low price wise and then work our way up i like to start as low as i think is feasible for that person because in new york city you can always find something more expensive there's always more expensive options so i like i like you know starting 15% to 20% below their budget if there is anything out there and then working our way up. And I'd like to show somebody something that's 8 to 10% above budget just to contextualize what's out there for that person. James, feedback on the New York City rental market?
1: Uh, No, I really don't have any because I haven't rented in New York City. I I would just say that the the prices that you all charge in rent is absurd. That $1,100 apartment that you're talking about was that like? Two, two like refrigerator boxes from Best Buy that somebody
0: duct taped together and put a sign on? So there's a there's wild law that came out last year, it's called the HSTPA. Um, and it's the, the Housing Stability and Tenant Protection Act. And what they're doing, so typically if I bought a building, say it was a, a building in really rough shape, a lot of low paying tenants, a lot of people on programs, a lot of people in rent-stabilized apartments that have been there for 30 years, I buy that building as those leases end or those people move out i can go in and renovate the apartments and i can convert them to market rate apartments so somebody might move out who's paying $900 a month but it's a nice building in chelsea and i can now get $4300 a month because that's market rate so i renovate the apartment and i throw all the calculations of the amount of money spent and i can it can either it'll it'll go above the legal rent cap and it's destabilized or um, I have to show the calculation of the amount of money I put in, it'll still be a stabilized apartment. Um, Either way, if it's market rate, I can charge whatever I want. If it's stabilized, I have to show the math. Um, But now with this law, they're only allowing deductions of $15,000 worth of work, which might seem like a lot of money. But no, it's not. It's not that much when you're renovating an apartment that somebody's lived in for 30 years where the floors need to be... I mean, somebody's lived in an apartment for two years, a lot of times the floors need to be replaced. Yeah. Um, or at least reset The rest of the
1: board is probably eight or 9000
0: right there. At, yeah, at, remember, labor is more expensive in New York City as well. But we're talking floors are replaced. Walls 30 years ago were plaster walls. Now we're using sheetrock, so the walls are going to come down a lot of times, the electrical is going to be upgraded. Yeah. The plumbing is going to be upgraded. Everything's also going to be brought to code, which involves permits, which are not cheap. And you have to do all this work, replacing windows. And remember, we're talking 30 years, so you know everything's changing over the course of 30 years. Everything's got to be brought up to code. It's costing you a fortune. It's costing you six figures to get this work done in these apartments. But now you're not allowed to raise the rent, whatever the multiple, you know, 1.5% of $15,000 or whatever. I, I don't know, maybe maybe I figure it out and I'll include it later. But it's a very small amount of money, very marginal amount. And it's not worth it anymore to renovate these apartments. Now this landlord is still renovating the apartments. So this is gonna be a renovated apartment for 11, less than $1,100, but he can't charge the person before was paying Nine hundred or a thousand dollars, or somewhere in that realm, and he's running. Rent- he's you know, end up spending eighty-five grand in the apartment, and can't recoup his money. So it's a wild, it's a wild law. If I was a landlord, I'd rather let that sit.
2: It's what's happening empty. in uh, in Detroit, or what happened in Detroit. There were so many programs, so many incentives for uh, you know, people with low income to no income to uh, get an apartment, and at some point the landlords were like, well. If we're gonna rent an apartment and there's no incentives for us, what's the point of us actually renovating an apartment? If they want to pay, but that's happening already.
0: Eleven hundred dollars. If I own an eleven hundred, if I own an apartment that somebody was paying nine hundred and eighty-seven dollars a month for, because it ticked up slowly over the course of the last thirty years and they moved out, and the apartment's trash, but it's a $1,000 apartment. A lot of people would be happy to move into a, yeah. in Manhattan, a $1,000 apartment, Regardless and put down day some day. carpeting, yeah. Yeah. clean it up, repaint it themselves, right, because it's an upgrade. And I mean, I would gladly do that if I was spending $1,000 a month in rent. Yeah, but, and I mean, that doesn't is, exist in, yeah, in the New The problem York is that
2: that apartment will also attract other places to be like, okay, that that's the apartment, that's a building that, you know, has like $1,100, two bathrooms and then it actually spreads like a virus and then the next apartment has to have like something in that market and brings the whole market itself down.
0: Maria, can I see the phone real quick and will you, you mind grabbing us a couple more of the beverages?
2: And, and that's, that's the thing about What it, is this, like,
0: TikTok? Yep. Oh, how do we spin around? What's up, TikTok? Anybody have any real estate questions regarding rent, regarding day drinking? Because that is uh, kind of the main topic here, which, uh, which got us started on. On the real estate thing. If you have questions about New York City, broker fees, anything in general, New York City <laughs> <laughs> neighborhoods, renting in New York City, buying in New York City, selling in New York City, feel free to comment, and uh, Maria, you let me know, yeah? Yep. All right, so back to Maria. Cool. Nate, hey Jeanette, Ivy Joy, Michael, Sabrina, Rosh, Sammy, Nicole. we got a few people watching here on, on Facebook and a uh, little interaction. What are you, on Instagram over there? All right, wonderful. So if you guys have any questions about real estate, I think the fee thing is an eye-opener for a lot of people, especially outside of New York City, is that they're paying for a service. A lot of people don't know what it's like to be a real estate agent. They don't understand what goes into finding somebody in an apartment. At the very least, what we do as agents is we do photography, advertising and marketing, and then we do appointment booking, and then we deal with a ton of people that just waste our time, and you're not being paid hourly. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know what they want. They're not qualified. They want you to give them a tour. Or people just expect you to open the door and shut up, and they don't see any value in what you do as a real estate agent. But there's a lot involved, especially when it's 95 degrees outside, or yesterday, it's a monsoon, and people still expect you to show up and show face and do business. And it, you know, I, I agree it's a lot of money. But you have to bear in mind what you're paying for. The last time when I moved and I dropped, it was like 2,800 bucks or something to pay a mover to, one, they packed up the apartment, and two, they carried everything out, out of the building, loaded a truck, unlo- drove it, unloaded the truck, and put it back in my apartment, and yeah, 2,800, I think it ended up being a little over 3,000, so because like, well, you had, a few more items than than you had given us in the estimate." I'm like, all right, fair, fair enough. But I was happy to pay that even though it was a shit ton of money, but it was a service. And I think because I tried to get around using brokers in the city in my first year and a half of living here and what I did was I walked around and I looked for four rent signs and I would call them and see what they had and see what the prices were or I would go to buildings that I thought were interesting and I would look up the information for the building and uh, and see if they had anything available in the building. Which happens to us, and this is, this is an odd phenomenon. When somebody says, hey, I'm calling you about 182 Franklin Street, I wanted to see if you had anything available in that building, I really like it. Oddly, their budget is always under what the apartments are. Now, when somebody contacts me for a listing, like, hey, I saw you had this twenty-eight hundred dollar two bedroom in Greenpoint in one eighty-two Franklin. Um, I'd love to see it. Their budget is probably thirty-three or thirty-four hundred. It's the weird when somebody inquires about a specific listing, their budget is always higher. When somebody inquires about a general building, their budget is always lower than what that building uh, offers. It's a very strange phenomenon, but I've noticed it, and I'm not the only person to to articulate that. Shit, that was a lot fuller than the last one. What are you drinking, by the way?
1: Me? I'm drinking dark rum. Um, Let me go grab the bottle.
0: Yeah, He's out. Don't forget you're connected to your phone. What? Oh, never mind. Bluetooth. (laughs) I really like rum, actually. It's Uh, pretty...
2: For the summer, summer, it's it's pretty, pretty drinkable.
0: Bacardi. Oh, Bacardi. So Bacardi was... Bacardi Black. Bacardi was a big Cuban company that um, I think they really got super commercialized. And, and they
1: got kind of bought
0: out? And they became a, no, I wouldn't say a cheaper, but they became like a really regular, like a Smirnoff type thing. But they have some really oh, yeah. nice bottles, like what you're drinking right now. And I, th- I, you know, I, I, yeah. think, I think it's a really nice um, bottle of rum to, to jump into. I like a dark well, and
1: rum. The, like, I got that one was like maybe 20 bucks or something, if that, and like it's really smooth, it's a little on the sweet side for me, but for a bottle of aged rum that tastes good, it, it's tough to beat that, and yeah, there are more expensive brands out there that taste better, but when it comes to like value per dollar, if you find the right bottle of Bacardi, you're doing pretty
2: well. I'm also a big fan of Croissant. I think the exact same thing about whiskey the dollar amount per whiskey that's like my thing because well, rum rum is pretty good I mean my my go
0: to rum and this is from your family James is, a, is Myers rum I really like Myers I love rum.
1: Myers it's just twice as expensive as what, I, what I'm drinking right mm-hmm. now
0: and then I really like Appleton Estates Jamaican yeah. rum Appleton Estates I, I you know I uh, I love Appleton Estates Myers rum. is
1: Jamaican too I think
0: yeah I, I think
2: it is too I think it is too and I'll do a, a nice progale yeah Bacardi, is, yeah, Bacardi is Jamaican. It got yeah. bought out by a Puerto Rican company. No,
1: I thought it
2: was Puerto Rican. No, Bacardi? Wait. Bacardi originally. was Cuban. I thought Bacardi no. was Cuban. No, it was Jamaican. And then it got bought out. Any, any,
0: a, anybody on live can tell us where Bacardi's from. I'm saying Cuba. we looking it up right You're now. You're saying Jamaican. No, he's and, Jamaican. Uh, I
2: mean, I'm saying Jamaican. He's saying Bacardi Puerto Rican. Bacardi limited. is headquartered in
0: Bermuda. Where is it from, though?
2: No, it got bought out oh, by uh by an American company. But original, originally it was either from Jamaica. So, or... Yeah, yeah, I
1: think it was founded in Cuba. Yeah, 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 yeah. Founded in Cuba, but it's currently headquartered in Bermuda.
0: So you yeah. know. Hey, what's up, Kareem? Uh, so so we got Kareem Warner Tyson. Uh, one of the, in in I think in the very beginning uh, of real estate, Kareem and I worked together quite a bit. Uh, before, before I could really afford to go out and buy a, probably even a bottle of, even a bottle of, uh, uh, what what are you drinking over there, what's it called? Bacardi. Bacardi. I don't I, yeah, but I don't know if rum would be my go-to, if I was, I really, I really dig Dark and Stormy's, that's one of my all-time favorite drinks. Yeah, but the headache
2: tomorrow, the headache the next day. Well that's
0: day. because you drink a lot of soda, you're drinking a lot of, I mean, how much are you drinking, first of all? You, you know. The whole drink. bottle, plus uh, ginger, ginger beer. And, uh, and lime.
1: American you you, you Wars are a fantastic
2: drink. Yeah, they're super refreshing.
0: Yeah, they I, I wanted one really badly last night, but I, I got caught in the rain so badly yesterday. I've not seen rain in New York City, nor no, thunder, thunder, thunder and lightning, no. and I, uh, I stepped outside, and it j- had just started, and it got so bad. I was standing under the scaffolding, and just water was pouring down through the scaffolding. I was, I was soaked. To the bone my shoes all the way down to the underwear just so like literally sopping wet and i was standing under the scaffolding with homeless people who were for the most part pretty reasonable um except for one guy who was just shouting to himself which didn't really make any sense but um uh, i don't know that's new york city for you you have a homeless how's the homeless uh, population down in south carolina
1: there's a fair bit of them downtown but i don't know like yeah downtown like king street meeting street area um yeah I, i just don't really pay attention to it when i come home from when i come back to work from grabbing lunch i'm usually coming back on the bridge um and like when the the bridge lets out into downtown there's a stoplight and there's usually one or two homeless people there with a sign up asking for food or whatever. I mean, like, yeah, like, I'm just not one downtown two. hardly at all. And my office isn't really on, like, the main stretch of the retailer bar scene. Yeah. So yeah. there's not there's hardly any foot traffic on the street where, where my office is. So I, I honestly have no idea. Uh, I've been, like, the coronavirus hasn't really affected me all that much because I was a shut-in before, and I still am.
0: If I was going to be homeless, I would I would definitely be somewhere warmer. I mean, obviously, yeah. New York City is warm in the summertime. But there's but I, so many people here. I America. would be somewhere where, like, fruit and sustenance grows naturally on the trees. Yeah. Right? Like, that would San be Diego. a no-brainer. That would be a no-brainer for me. What's that?
1: San Diego.
0: Does fruit grow naturally on the trees? What, do you, what kind of fruit do you have growing out there?
1: In Charleston?
0: No, in San Diego. I'm saying if I'm homeless, I want to live somewhere... Where where nutrition Probably orange
1: trees at the very least. Okay. Uh, when I was in Sacramento back in December, um, there were a ton of homeless people. I, I went for a bike ride kind of around there's a there's a bike path that goes around downtown Sacramento. It was, Sacramento's kind of flanked by rivers. Yeah. And so there's a bike path that you goes go along the the basically around the outside of the city. And I went for a bike ride there, it was maybe a ten or fifteen mile bike ride. And all along this bike path, every thirty or forty feet was just this makeshift tent and shopping cart an extravaganza of homeless people. I, I would say that in ten miles, I probably passed by forty or fifty at least.
0: But that's how it's becoming over here. It's 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 really, it's really. I mean, it's pretty terrible. You know, the the it's it's all. I mean, for, for what I'm noticing, it's all drug related. It's not disenfranchised people that suddenly decide they're going to camp out in in front of Madison Square Garden. Because people do set up camps and tents in front of Madison Square Garden before there's a big concert or before tickets go on sale or something like that. I see that here and there. But these are people that are like all drugged out, passed out, drooling, you know, missing limbs. Yeah, we just
2: went out to uh, CVS to grab some beers and there was this guy that was uh, completely gone on uh, 8th Avenue and... He literally came to the hunter and I was like, "Move!" So I got in the in the middle of them, and I was like, oh, "Can I get some? Can I get something to eat?" And I was like, "We were literally ten meters away from where he was, but when we were there, when he started asking us for food, we just kept walking, and he just stayed there. I was like, oh, can, 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 "Can I get?" And I was like, oof, "It's getting worse and worse and worse." And then you go to thirty uh, third, and you see a lot of people just. Staying in the middle
0: of the street just living. Yes, yeah, so, so James, you know you've been here. Anybody watching on live, our office is located a block from Madison Square Garden, Penn Station, and three blocks from Port Authority, which traditionally are pretty populated places. Yeah. Lots of tourists. Wow. Um, there's a, a gazillion hotels in the area. So and literally hotels away
2: from 42nd Street.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, seven blocks away. Seven. So, and we're right near Times Square. So we're closer to the Penn Station, Madison Square Garden. But we're right near Times Square as well. Like you could see, you could probably see some of the lights reflecting off this building here. And with the hotels closed down, you don't have the tourists, and you have these people on the streets that are literally taking over. Yeah. I have a good picture I took the other day. Somebody had used the scaffolding as a toilet paper holder. Because <laughs> they should.
1: I think you gotta get creative.
0: They're shitting in the street, you know. Oh God! It's, and the
1: smell. Well, it just rained last night, so they flushed the toilet.
0: Oh my God! Yeah, thank God it rained hard. Although that was also under the scaffolding, it does not does not rain that hard. Um, oh God! But it's it's uh, it's sad, but there's not much you can do. I I talked to, because there's also a police precinct right here, and. They, they stand at the end of the block because they don't want any issues on the block with people like yeah. fucking with the police cars or something like that, especially now. Yeah. And I asked the police officer the, uh, the other week and he said, what are we supposed to do? Like, we arrest them. They don't have ID on them. For the most part, we arrest people. They put up a big fight and it's just catch and release. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I, uh, police really can't do something to, to stop the homelessness. And it's...
2: Well, especially now it's not with the defund issue. the police movement as well.
0: It, it's not exactly a police issue, but... The biggest issue is these people are homeless in their pursuit of hard drugs. And it's not an issue of giving someone a home, it's that they don't really want a home. They want to be high all the time. They want to be on the street and they don't care if they've eaten, if whatever appendage is rotting off. Because a lot of these people got into the hard drugs because they they didn't have health insurance, they couldn't afford this, they couldn't afford that. And now before you know it they're doing heroin and then they get arrested for some reason and then they get court ordered to go to the methadone clinic, which is also down the block, and that's why this block is so bad because you have a methadone clinic down the block. However, we went from day drinking to broker fees to methadone to methadone clinics. I don't know. Well, you know, now we
1: have you're to go. about drinking only you so far, but a strong pull of heroin that'll cross the line. Yeah, I'm. I you know, keep feeling good all day.
0: I think if somebody offered me heroin and, and, and they said, you know, you should really try it, you'll like it, I would just say, you know, I, I know. But no, thank you.
1: Uh, <laughs> stay, stay far away from heroin.
0: You know, they say, like, you know, if you're at, at this level normally energy-wise and you drink coffee, it brings you up here, but then your normal goes back, it goes below what you were yeah. before. Heroin fucks with your the chemicals in your head, and you never really experience
2: pleasure at the, the, the
0: same way but your your average is way way lower than it was before so then you're on the cycle to try to get back to, to somewhere I, mean, I don't know I don't know anything about drugs like that so
1: it's um, at, I, at I got my fentanyl, fentanyl in the hospital once and that was pretty incredible
2: <laughs> <laughs> It was like I got Vicodin <laughs> I got no, no, so no, no 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 fentanyl stronger than heroin it was
1: when they no no broke, yeah. Front, yeah,
2: fentanyl is for something like yeah
1: I think you were at that beat, actually, when I broke my arm.
0: So, James broke his arm in a wrestling match. He, I don't know how, what, whatever happened to your uh, arm, you fell back on it, it, get, it got crushed.
1: No, no, Fuck. I know exactly
2: what happened,
1: because I remember it very clearly. The I guy was a single on me, I pancaked. And so, then he, like, now my chest is to his back, mm-hmm. and so I put my arm, so I put my arm down on the, on the mat to so stabilize, so that way he wouldn't throw me off balance and get the, the points for the takedown. And so he kept on shifting my weight more and more onto my left, and it was the first match of the season. So I'm just like, I'm giving no ground here. I'm fighting as hard as I can. So I kept my arm locked on the mat, and he kept on putting more and more weight. And eventually, my arm said, "Nah."
0: Well, so I don't think James—he didn't realize his arm was broken. He knew he was in some pain. Oh, no, I knew my arm was broken immediately. But you went to at the end of the wrestling match. You go and you shake the opposing coaches. Hand, and I just remember yeah, James walking over, and he went to shake the opposing coach's hand, and his arm went like this.
1: Oh <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a boomerang. Yeah, it, no, I knew as soon like as soon as my arm broke, like during the match, like I, I I felt the crack, I heard the crack crack, and I felt it, and I was like, oh, that's not good. I immediately let the guy pin me because I'm like, I'm not yeah. fighting out of this one. Yeah. And so I got up, and through the haze of the adrenaline and everything else, I looked up, and my arms all screwing. And I was like, "All right, well, shake the guy's hand, shake the other coach's hand, because that's what you're supposed to do." And then I walk back to my to, to our team's bench. And I'm like, "Coach, I think I gotta go to the hospital."
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, how old? How old were you? Like fifteen? Fifteen. God. Yeah, man. I enjoyed but it. Yeah, when well,
1: they had to realign my arm, so I was in the hospital. Like when I first got there, as soon as they got me into a bed in like the ER, like the first thing they said was like, "All right, we're getting you some morphine, kid." I'm like, "All right." <laughs> so they did that and like even just the morphine like they gave it straight to my arm so like you feel it like where are at the injection site and then like you feel it slowly spread throughout your body as the blood circulates or whatever so you got just like this concentrated point of relaxation that just spreads and then like gets to your chest and then you just feel it hit your entire body and you feel better and so Fentanyl. I don't remember the onset of it because they gave me two drugs. They gave me fentanyl and Versed. Versed is a short-acting benzodiazepine, which will just knock you out. You, Can
0: you pay my next speaker? Just gave it it me uh, uh, okay. five, and okay. right, Versed uh. I think I made it to about okay. do okay. Don't remember anything.
2: Recording.
1: Yeah. But I remember waking up in the middle of the haze of fentanyl and Versed pumping through my veins. The two, like, medical interns, on my arm, to get my arm. <laughs> and that was enough pain for me to, to, oh, to snap me out of whatever list I was in but <laughs> <laughs> then I was awake for the rest of it and oh. so I just got my arm sitting there in the cat like, like letting the cat harden and I am just high off of my ass on the fentanyl and I remember I'm just sitting there with my arm elevated and the oxygen mask on and way off in the distance I like hear a nurse's voice uh, <laughs> and I um, James. Mm. James. Mm. James, you have to remember to breathe. And I <laughs> going my head. One. That's way too much work. I am way too happy right now. <laughs> uh, I was that happy. Like, I could just sit there and not kind of breathe and just enjoy the feeling of it. And, that was I and I remember from the whole experience of breaking my arm and getting all the drugs in the hospital and that. I just remember thinking, you cannot ever go near anything like this again. Because if you do,
0: you're just going to be homeless yelling at pigeons in the street. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's, but that's exactly how drugs work. And, you know, luckily you, you have, you've got a lot going on for you that you can find joy in some other things. But especially if that was the, you know, the paramount of your life. And it was relatively cheap, and you didn't have much else. If someone were to offer me heroin today, I
1: would say no. Not because I didn't want it, because I know that that would be the end of my life, right
2: there. And the thing, the thing for example, here in the States is that it's really easy for, uh, for doctors to prescribe you anything. Because I remember in 2018... They don't I, typically
0: prescribe you heroin, though.
2: No, of course not heroin, yeah. But mm-hmm. they will okay. prescribe you things like Vicodin, they will prescribe you painkillers left pain. and right, which I think is the hook. For all of the next drugs, because uh, I went just to get my, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, heroin uh, fix. A heroin fix. <laughs> I went to get a, uh, 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 my mouth clean. I, I I do it every six months. Got so a really found, really
0: dirty mouth. And Very he dirty. found
2: he found that I had a cavity, and he was like, "It's gonna hurt. So I'm gonna put some morphine in you, and you know." Do it. I you think you're
1: talking about
2: novocaine because they don't give you morphine for filling a cavity. Well, he was like, "I'll give you morphine," so he put
0: morphine on me, and then "She like, isn't the best." You sure this is no, morphine? No, no, it
2: it was not. morphine. It was morphine because I didn't feel anything. Because he was like, "You have a big cavity in your uh." No, that's novocaine. Thing.
1: Morphine, novocaine. Or wait, wait, wait,
2: wait, wait. And then once once the whole thing was done, he was like, uh, "I can also prescribe you bicodine. You know, for the pain for the next three five days, and I was like, "What is bicillin?" He was like, "It's a painkiller. You're not gonna feel shit for the next three to five days." And I was like, hey, "Should I? Should I?" You know. And I was like, "Nah, no, it's okay." Back then, I didn't have any 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 uh, health insurance, so go getting bicodine on your own is literally twenty two dollars a pill. A pill? Yeah. A pill.
0: Yeah. So mm-hmm. you
2: know. That's the reason why I understand why a lot of uh, companies actually prescribe you glycogen, because if you actually have health insurance, all of these companies will actually get that money, and they'll hook you into it, and you'll be like, oh, can I get another refill? Can I get another refill? And then if there these pharmaceutical companies are actually telling doctors hey yeah, give them refills as many as they want, the, the, the pill is safe, the pill is okay, they're not gonna get addicted to it, and then boom, you know, by 2018, 2019, we had this crisis of people just even the regular pills that they have, like Vicodin, Sanax, and all those these things. They're the no, the yeah. on the cheaper, and the cheaper street And not just because it's cheaper, it's because the, the doctors can no longer give them any more... Um, what do you call this? Uh, prescriptions. Prescriptions, yeah. No so prescriptions. on
0: that note, I want to hit the, uh, the MX Platinum. You know, I think hard drugs, definitely something for the more affluent. <laughs> and... No one's affluent without an American Express card. And it's either black card or platinum card. It's a lot easier to qualify for the Platinum card, I can tell you that. But cool thing about the Platinum card is you get access <laughs> This is true.
1: We're we're
0: we're we're <laughs> gonna this take a nice a flight together. I'm gonna bring you to some of these Centurion lounges where you get free Columbia beer and wine. They have nice showers, they get nice lounge, free food, buffet style. Really, really five-star, really nice lounges. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, a uh, but but uh, the Amex a- 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 Platinum is a great card. It, it clinks like no other. I have, I have two of them because I really believe in the card. Um, you get the airline credit. I've actually I've been getting these uh, uh, shipping credits. When I ship something on FedEx, I actually get money back on the shipment. So I pay the same price as everybody else, but then I get 4 bucks back. Not bad, right? Not bad at all. I ship something on eBay. I've been shipping uh, these old He-Man action figures that I found in my mom's barn, and uh, I've been getting two dollars and six cents back per transaction through American Express, and it is a badass card. It, it's not like a, a typical plastic uh, plastic card. Here's a Chase Platinum card. it doesn't? Doesn't, it doesn't
2: sound the same, it sound the same.
0: It's a—it uh, a, yeah, a pretty solid card, and uh, you know my credit only allows me so so much when it comes to nice credit cards. But I have a lot of cards, and the American Express is hands down my favorite. And before everything is touch payments only, you get to hand this to a couple of cashiers, and people think you got some money. Um, but yeah, the two hundred dollar airline credit, where uh, if my baggage is overweight, I don't have to worry about that. They credit me up to two hundred bucks. Uh, in a year, um, that's pretty is cool. That
1: or, like,
0: what's the limit on there? No, I mean, how much is how much is overweight baggage? Forty-five bucks or something like that. I don't know because if if anything,
1: somewhere between like twenty-five and fifty bucks.
0: I don't know though. I don't check bags. I don't worry about it. If I have to check bags and I go somewhere, I don't like people weigh their bags. They have luggage weighers and stuff like that. I've had this card since two thousand twelve or thirteen, and I just I just fly and I don't think about those things. And, and a lot of times with the Platinum card, you get free upgrades. There's a travel concierge, which has helped me out in Sweden, in Japan, uh, in, in England. I've, I've gotten some really good hookups when it comes to free upgrades. And they always hook me up with uh, great hotels, rental cars. And American Express covers your rental car damage insurance. So if I hit somebody in a rental car or I back into a pole... They cover your. Uh, they cover your insurance. That's so the beauty
2: of credit cards. If you know how to use them, it's a benefit. But if you yeah, use them to get in, debt. Yeah, get you exactly. The, a, a lot of people actually spend more than what they actually make on credit cards, and that's super bad.
0: But I mean, I'm, I've I've got them all. I've been doing it for a long time. spending a lot of money on credit, and uh, I get a lot of points through MX, and it's it's definitely. One of my yeah. absolute, one of my absolute favorites, and I have, you know, I have a, a few different Amex cards, different different lines of credit for the business and for myself, but the Platinum card definitely has the most benefits. So if you're interested in the Platinum card, click on my YouTube link, follow Sip Talk, and there's a link below. where You get a, a sign up and you get a bonus amount of points. I think it's twenty thousand points. It changes twenty thousand points free though. Yeah. And another thing is, I put all my expenses on that American Express card. And I get points every time I buy something. So I can use these points to travel for free. And I have not paid for a flight in at least five years. Beautiful. That's
1: beautiful. Yeah. That is
0: beautiful, right? I fly to see my sister. Are you on fl- uh, when
1: you coming to
0: Charleston? When the business starts making You're some making money, money after, <laughs> after this coronavirus shit lets up. But I would definitely go down to Charleston. I
1: guess I'm going to soon.
0: I would definitely go down to Charleston and I will put the hotel on my points. And I will you put the, I will put us. the flight on my points, and uh, and then you can you can cook us dinner. Yeah,
2: like the beauty of American Express is the upgrades that you get. You get upgrades out of nowhere, and uh, you know.
0: I mean it's it's a it's a yeah, good card, perfect. and I I really appreciate having it. That was a promo I wanted to run. on That do me a favor, can you read that meme one more time?
2: What's considered trashy if you're poor, but classy if you're rich. Day drinking speaking two languages, doing hard drugs, types of Let's just bleep that last thing, you know. I already had enough problems with the IRS already. <laughs> but, uh, I got another one. This is, this is not original, but what's
1: trashy when you're poor,
2: but, but, but classy when you're rich? Taking
0: government assistance. Oh, that's a tough... Man. Well, sure, there's, there's bailouts for you right there and, uh, and everything. Andres, we're going to wrap up while you're out of here. Is that cool?
2: Uh, give me one second
0: unless there's any questions unless there's any questions on Chris what's up man um, Xavier what's going on anybody have any questions on live or just while we're at it uh, you guys are still live you're just not holding up these phones any real estate questions hit me up Vince nice to see you and finally you're joining mine so but we're just wrapping up James is there anything you want to add you got one over there
2: selling in New York versus New Jersey?
0: What's the, what's the biggest issue being a real estate agent? What's the... Uh, rephr- phrase it one more time?
1: What's the most, challenging thing,
0: what's the most a- challenging thing about being a real estate agent is, is, is always lead generation. You- is it a big
1: difference
0: selling in New York versus New Jersey? So, first things first, what's the biggest barrier of entry, what's the most challenging part of being a real estate agent is lead generation. Exit polls for people who don't renew their license or people who quit is always about lead generation and a lot of people when they, I interview who are looking to join a brokerage are asking for leads. Now I do my best to train agents. I didn't have any training when I started real estate. They just put me at a laptop and told me to post ads. Now That's the rental market in New York City which I started in. The rental market is great because you have open listings in Manhattan so you can preview those, you take photos of them, you can advertise them. That's a really, in my opinion, it's way easier to get started in the Manhattan market because of the open listings. Now, you use those listings to generate leads, and every lead that you get, as far as I was concerned, was someone who might do business with me in over the next 30 days, over the next two months, or over the next two or five years. So I held on to everybody's information and followed up with everybody. but. The biggest issue is lead generation, and for me and the agents that we hire here, you have the rental listings, and now we have a huge vacancy rate and so many listings. I don't have enough agents to keep up with the vacancies that we're giving from the accounts that we're exclusive with um, and from the open listings. The difference between New Jersey and New York City is you don't have a strong rental market to get your footing. So like I just said, you can get these open listings, you can advertise those, you can make money. You can close a rental deal in a day. Now, if you want to find someone a home in New Jersey, you have to know someone who's buying you have to connect with them. Or if you want to list a home in New Jersey, which listing a home is a great way to also find people who are looking to buy because you hold open houses, and these people show up to your open houses, and you can follow back up with them and over to show them listings that are on the MLS But in order to list homes, you need to have the connections with owners. And when you're a new agent and you don't know very much, you don't have a track record, that becomes really, really difficult. So in my opinion, it's a lot easier to start in New York City. And when I train people, I think some of the techniques that we use are really no-brainers. But just like working out, a lot of people fail at it. A lot of people sign up for the gym and never show back up. Or a lot of people sign up for the gym and show up regularly, but they don't lose any weight. A lot of people gain weight over the course of their memberships to the gym, which is wild. But losing weight is not a complex endeavor. You eat less and you burn more calories. It's very simple. Any, any other questions on the, on the TikTok? Yeah, okay. Well,
1: the plan is simple, the execution not so much.
0: But the execution is, is, just, is just doing. You got to save it or you got something? It ended. Okay, save cool. You just make sure you save it. On um,
2: live? On Instagram? Yeah,
0: yeah you can yeah. save it. So, but the execution, you know, the application is is obviously the tough part, but it's just a matter of taking the small steps and doing the small things, especially when it comes to working out or certainly when it comes to real estate. Following up with people is really, I tell my, my, my agents here, keep a spreadsheet or, or in a Google Google sheet or even on paper of every lead that you have and follow up with them daily. You just add their name to the spreadsheet and you shoot them a text everywhere. I mean, I shoot hundreds of text messages a day out to people and them reaching out to you is an invitation to you to follow back up with them. Even if you don't have listings for them, just let them know you're thinking about them and you'll let them know when you have something. But I think following up is your is your basic basic thing that's really going to create a lot of of success and create a lot of people who want to work with you. Yeah,
2: and exactly. That's one of the things that Justin taught me. I was like, until they tell you to shut the fuck up, just leave me fucking alone, just keep on going. But that's, I mean,
0: that's so, when I reach out to somebody, when I follow up with somebody, I'm going to follow up every single day in a nice way. Yeah. Not like, yo, how come you never answered me? But hey, just want to let you know I'm still looking for apartments. Let me know if there's any way I can be a resource. If I find something that fits your needs, I'll send it to you right away. At a certain point, someone's going to, if they're not responding to they're responding me, great, I'll engage them and work with them. But at a certain point, they may respond and say, I'm, I found something. Or they may say, stop fucking texting me. And either or, I'm, I'm fine. Like, okay, no problem. Or, okay, I'll you know, follow you in, uh, in nine, ten months and see if you're looking to move. But once they reach out to you, that's your, they reach out to a salesperson, that's your invitation to follow up with them. All right, so uh, I'm going to wrap up. James, anything you want to
1: add? Um, I just want to pin myself for a second here. I'm working a professional soccer match on Saturday. It's a 3 o'clock kickoff. It's a, it's a match coming out of Columbia International University. It's Georgia mm-hmm. Revolution right. versus Savannah Clovers. If anybody you want to watch me, uh don't you know, on the players and coaches or whatever. Um, there's... There a free of
0: Can you can you throw that? Uh, all right, I'm gonna say it over here. You you uh you threw that in the chat? I think
1: so.
0: Okay, because that's not even an English word, but it's my M Y Cuju C U J O O. All right, that's mykuju.com.tv Dot yeah, TV. Dot TV. Mycuju.tv. You can leave. And I'll,
1: be working, um, I'll be working professional match on Saturday, so anybody that wants to watch me run around in South Carolina eat on a Saturday. <clears throat> what time? Three. Three o'clock kickoff.
0: Three p.m. Eastern time. mykuju.com Dot TV. Shit. Mykuju. Dot TV M Y C U J O O. All right, James. Um, we're going back to work. So enjoy your rum, and we're gonna we're gonna get back to work over here. All right. Adios, guys. All right. You a
1: great day, Good
0: thing, man. Bye. As always thank you for watching. If you made it this far, you want me a like, and if you haven't subscribed,
1: what's wrong with you?